Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Oh, so much to discuss this week, O'Toole. So true, Hollister, so true. But I thought we could start with our mail call with a few notes from our listeners. As in M-A-I-L, not (laughs) M-A-L-E. Now that you've got me thinking about that, I'm wondering who would respond to our (laughs) M-A-L-E call. Nobody, so let's just go with the mail call. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the first one is from Erica from Boston, and she sent us a little note that Stephen Wolfram, who runs the eponymous Wolfram Research, was at Wall Street Journal CEO Council Conference. Who ever heard of that? What's it called? The what? The Wall Street Journal CEO Council okay. Conference. And he was a science advisor on the film Arrival. And this was something that Erica shared with us. I thought it was so interesting. He said that communicating with extraterrestrials is similar to communicating intentions to AIs. How do, you, how do they know that? He does artificial intelligence. No, but how does so he, he know was, that's similar to... Oh, I see. I guess maybe he's out there in the New Mexican desert. No offense or anything, but whatever his statement, it's like, <laughs> seriously, can we please look at what the person is saying and say, well, how, how do it know? I mean, how would you know that's true? Okay, go ahead. What's the, I'm going <laughs> to move on else? to the second one. Okay, Val over Facebook, she sent us an interview with Amy Sherman Palladino about the Gilmore yeah, Girls revival. Yeah, it was a great yep. and, and there were two things that really struck me. The first was that she pointed out that Rory in the revival was the same age that Lorelai was in the original yep. series. Yep. That kind of blew me away when you think about Lorelai was so much further along in terms of seeming like a, an independent adult, you know? But I really Or maybe this. not. I mean, one could say she got stuck in motherhood and never really grew into being an adult. And that leads to the second point. They asked Amy Sherman Palladino if she thought the reaction to Rory's, quote, downfall had been too harsh. And this was her response. She said, what would people want us to do instead? That Rory was married to Jess and they're just happy and pretty? Life is about conflict. The conflict of this girl was to take her down the road that she was least prepared for. And that's what you brought up last week. I know, but I would have been very happy for, I mean, just somebody in my life should be happy with Jess. And, you know, so no, you know, I would have been happy with that. But okay, I get it. Totally. Well, he's too busy now on This Is Us. And this is the last bit I had for you. I don't know if you'd seen the announcement from Amazon that they're not going to be renewing Good Girls Revolt for a second season. Um, Well, I'm not surprised, you know, when you're reading everything that we're reading talking about women in Hollywood and the power that is or isn't there. I'm not surprised. I have not continued to watch it, although it's on my list to do. So I can't really speak to that. I don't know if it got better, worse, or indifferent. But I would love to hear from you guys out there as to anybody who's paying attention to it. So I didn't continue to watch it either. So that might be why they're not renewing it. Exactly. Which leads us into our list of six, hashtag list of six uh, by Hollister and O'Toole. And Diane Barrett, um, who's a, a follower of Screen Thoughts and often has great words of wisdom, she wanted us to try to do a list of six of movies, or I guess it could be television shows, that surprised us, meaning they were not at all what you thought they were going to be. And so I thought it was um, it was really a good, a good place to begin. So let's do our list of six. And we thank uh, Melissa Cohn, mortgage banker extraordinaire, for sponsoring this segment of Screen Thoughts every week. We really, really appreciate it. So what do you start with? Okay, it's a classic, but I'm going to start with E.T. <laughs> to me, oh. this movie was a total surprise. I know that people were loving it, and they said I had to see it, and they laughed, and they wept, and I just thought that ugly little... Uh, I'm back to extraterrestrials, Hollister. The biggest surprise of this surprise for me was you know I love to travel, 
And I went to the Galapagos and I got off the boat and I saw a Galapagos tortoise. Yeah, it looks just like E.T. Yes, they said Spielberg had been there to visit and he just copied the look of the Galapagos tortoise. So I just saw scads of E.T.'s, you know, I was going to say running around, but they weren't moving that quickly. E.T. has a record in my book. I think I waited in line two hours and 20 minutes to see it. Wow. That's longer than the movie. E.T. Phone home. Okay, I'm going to move to mine, okay? I'm going to start with one where I was so bitterly disappointed I almost never went to the movies again, and I hated both actors heretofore for a while. Oh, so you were surprised in a bad way. Well, you know, so there we, of course, have O'Toole with her little P, you know, let's be poly positive, and then we have me, who always takes us to the dark side. Okay, so it was Bridges of Madison County. Now, that's the kind of book where I knew exactly what they looked like. I knew exactly how they spoke. I knew them perfectly, and when Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood showed up on the scenes of Madison County, I, I, it was unbearable to watch. They were so miscast, and the only other time that Meryl Streep has been that miscast was in... Heartburn? Where she was playing the Nora Ephron character, and I think Bridges of Madison County did pretty well in the box office, and it did pretty well um, in terms of, uh, of critics, but... Uh, It was just unbearable for me. I couldn't even stand it. And I never got over it. Never got over it. A moment when there was nowhere else to go. Except towards love. Okay, let's go back to the sunny side. My second one is The Perks of Being a Wallflower. That came out in 2012, starring Logan Lerman, who we saw in Indignation at the Provincetown Film Festival. I thought the movie was fabulous. It was written and directed by Stephen Chbosky, who also wrote the book. Wow. You know, I haven't seen it, but now I'll go watch. But why were you not expecting it to be good? I thought it was going to be some little high school trifle. And it really moved me. Hmm, good to know. My next one is The Little Mermaid. You know, I'm not one... I, I like to see people... <laughs> I like to see real things on the screen. You know, I'm not really one for illustrative movie times. Alistair, I'm already surprised that you actually saw an animated movie. And I loved it. Loved it. Loved the music. Loved the whole thing. So it was Little Mermaid was such a pleasant surprise for me. Do you want to hum us a few bars? Of what? Under the Sea? No, I would never I would never take Alan Menken's music and, and, and desecrate it. Never, never, never. Okay, my last one is Easy A from 2010. And here's the tagline. A clean-cut high school student relies on the school's rumor mill to advance her social and financial standing. <laughs> cool. Didn't grab me, and yet this was the very first movie I ever saw with Emma Stone. And now it's no surprise at all. La La Land, I'm very excited to see it just because she's in it. All right, well, that's a good one. That's a really good one, actually. And my last one to wrap up our hashtag list of six is Evita. You know, I I don't know what I was thinking because I saw the play. I saw Mandy Patinkin, My Great Love in the play. And I took my nine-year-old daughter and her friend and we off we went and it was a musical. I, it never occurred to me there was no speaking. And here's this nine-year-old. But in the end, I absolutely loved it. And I thought really Madonna did a great job. And I thought she deserved to have the role. And there was so much critical, you know, oh, my God, she got it because she's Madonna, not because she deserved it. But frankly, I think she did a really, really good job. And it was an amazingly great surprise. But the first five minutes, I was I, I was 
horrified that it wasn't going to be the story of Evita rather than the musical Evita. I thought Madonna really deserved the Golden Globe for that performance. I, know, I thought she was I phenomenal. So that was this was a fun list of six. Thanks, Diane, for, for um, suggesting that we do it. Yeah. And then it leads me into something we put up on Facebook, or I put up on Facebook, about the uh, rape scene in Last Tango in Paris. Did you, I, I haven't, we haven't, you and I haven't talked about this, O'Toole, but everybody on our Facebook page is discussing um, Bernardo Bertolucci, who directed the film years ago, said that uh, Maria Schneider hated him and hated uh, Marlon Brando because they didn't tell her about the butter part of the rape scene that was going to take place before the filming because they wanted her to act as if she were, in fact, being raped. <laughs> and they felt that her response would be more authentic if they didn't tell her. And he mentioned this years ago, and she also mentioned it years ago and talked about it and talked about how it really messed up her head. And, you know, she ended up having a lot of uh, a lot of real issues around that particular scene and what they did. And Marlon Brando admitted that he had done it, and sort of that just flew by 25 years ago as people were saying it. And now it came up in another interview, and it's all over the Internet, and we've had a lot of women on Screen Thoughts um, Facebook page talking about it. You know, I did not see Last Tango in Paris. I assume you did, O'Toole, right? It took me a good long while, and I saw it, and I thought it was so disturbing yeah. that it actually kept me from watching Last Tango in Halifax for a bit because it was just reminiscent <laughs> yeah, of Last yeah. Tango in Paris from well, the title. Well, you know, it's funny because I think, I think the real issue now is that um, I don't think women are going to allow the behavior that took place 25 years ago in film, in Hollywood, on television, or anything. I think the power is sort of like... It sort of stayed stagnant for a long time. And I have a feeling what we're going to see over the next two years or so is this influx of a more um, gender neutral approach where one gender or another is not going to take over and manage the entire uh, film scene. And I hope that that's true. But also, some of the comments on our Facebook page have been really interesting. So if you're curious about the whole thing, you might want to go in and take a look. Okay, so our first feature film is a film that I saw over um, Thanksgiving holiday, and I talked about it to O'Toole, and we decided that we would, you know, we would highlight it this week. Allied, the movie, and I absolutely loved it. I felt like it could have been made in the 30s or 40s with Greta Garbo and whomever, and I just thought this is certainly a moment when Brad Pitt, I think, shines brightly. Did you think that that opening scene tool where he parachutes in to Morocco on the you know on the outskirts to go into Casablanca what did you think? Didn't you think that was an amazing opening scene? It definitely felt like a classic old-time Hollywood did, throwback yep. as you say with the fashion and the cinematography and the grand scope. But, you know, the whole time I was watching the movie, which I did enjoy, I thought, this is Mr. and Mrs. Smith as a period oh, piece. Oh, no, no, no. Nay, 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 yes. nay, 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 nay. Yes. Really? Uh -huh. Mrs. No, me... Smith? That was just yep. such a joke and absurd. And there wasn't no, a scene no, no. in here I felt was absurd. What scene was Mrs. smith -ish? I'm not saying from tone, but from the whole plot. So you have two impossibly oh, good-looking operatives who meet in a foreign locale. They pretend they're together to prevent detection. They dance. They spend time in a beautiful old building with high ceilings. They're actually wildly attracted to the other. They both wield guns and know how to kill. He's given the assignment of assassinating her. We know deep down she's really the better operative. 
let alone the fact that Brad Pitt made the movie while his marriage to someone else was breaking up. I couldn't help but think Mr. and Mrs. Smith during World War II. Uh, you know, to me, that's like comparing bridesmaids to father of the bride. <laughs> you know, to, you, I don't know. It felt, I thought she even looked like Angelina Jolie. Well, she does. She has that Angelina Jolie look. There's no It question. would have been a yeah. great part for Angelina yeah. Jolie. But the seriousness and the cinematography and the... And the script of Allied versus um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is, you know, uh, it's like first grade versus grad school, in my opinion. So um, I think it'll it'll definitely conjure up Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, well, for those who enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So somebody wrote one of the one of the critics wrote that it's about how the problems in this crazy world don't amount to a hill of beans next to the troubles of two people in love. <laughs> I, oh, that's a funny. Isn't that great? To I loved it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the singing of Marseille figures prominently and tearfully into the plot. The city of Casablanca functions for the lovers, played by Brad Pitt and... Marion Cotillard. Exactly, much in the way that Paris does for Ilsa and Rick. It seems like Casablanca is this place that's very simple and people fall in love and it just sets everything up for that. And then whenever they leave, it becomes much more complicated and they can't get away from it. I thought it was really amazing. That is true. The moral of this story is don't leave Morocco. Yeah, exactly. Zemeckis, who who you know who directed the film, I mean, he did mm-hmm. Back to the Future. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He did Castaway. Yep. Okay, but this, I mean, when you look at those other films that he did, I think this is so pure and and just simple in its presentation. And he slowed everything down. And Castaway, some people thought was really slow, but I thought there was a lot of action. There was a lot of jumping around and ball busting and all that stuff. Um, in Castaway, but this is a really slow grow, and I think the tension is built beautifully, and I think the ending, it's not clear which way it's going to go. Um, I just, I thought it was really, really good. You know what other movie Robert Zemeckis did? Who, what? Your Jodie Foster movie, Contact. Oh, he did? Huh. Actually, mm-hmm. I, you know what, she- I can see, con- I didn't realize that, but I can see Contact more in Allied than I could certainly... Um, He's in, a in special that. effects guru. So Steven Spielberg's produced yeah. many of his films. He's definitely got range. Well, that special effects when they're when he's parachuting in at the very beginning is worth the wait. I mean, it's worth the whole thing as far. I think it's worth the twelve dollars just for that opening scene. Now, by the way, t- guess how much it costs to make? I'm thinking it must have been pretty expensive. Yeah, I think a lot, but how? Guess how much? Uh, Sixty million. Eighty-five. Okay, but as of the end of Thanksgiving weekend, it only taken in ten million, which is a little now, surprising. Is that globally, just in the U.S., I think it could make it up abroad. The other thing I love about it is now people make movies and we're inside the movie, we're in the scene. You know, we could be sitting in the room, we could be standing there, part of the conversation. Through this entire movie, I never felt like I was in the scene. I always felt like I was on the outside watching inside, that I wasn't even in the same geography as what was taking place on the screen, and I really liked it, and I forgot how much I love to watch a movie where I, you know, my narcissistic self doesn't get to be anywhere near it. I really loved that part of it. I enjoyed it. I thought it could have been even more gripping, but it was certainly great on many fronts. And I find the premise very watchable. This idea of how well do you really know the person you're supposed to know best of all. You were different with me last night. Different? Like you were angry. 
but I was almost saddened that Marion Cotillard was sidelined in a way from being this operative who seems to know all the fine details to, um, you know, becoming the stay at home mom. Well, you know, Not I think I'm I think saying that that's was, an easier job, but that also was the clue. Mm hmm. Like, if she really was the spy that he thought she was, she would never have been happy to be totally sidelined like that. But somehow getting away, you know, what the burden she was carrying with her made that all the more all the more rich, for sure. Now, when you were watching it, not to give too much away, but when they're doing the blue dye test, mm-hmm. were you thinking what you might have done differently? Huh, no, I wasn't. Why, were you? I went with a friend, and I think we discussed this for an hour afterwards, what could have been done differently, what would have had different consequences. Yeah, I had to definitely huh. think about it. Uh, no, I, I didn't think about that. But I did think about the burden of a secret bigger than the love that you have for somebody that you couldn't get away from but wished you could. I mean, I I thought it was a compelling story, but in 100 years, do you think they'll still be doing World War II movies? Because you have to admit, we're talking about 71 years after World War II, and people, Mm -hmm. you know, there's still, every year there are movies about World War II, every single Mm -hmm. year. And you do have to ask yourself why. I mean, definitely... I think there's a lot of nostalgia around that war. Such an honor, greatest generation. Yeah. And I think that's because my father, who was a Marine, he said it's because it was the last war before the advent of television. So people couldn't see the horrors of war up close. Mm-hmm. And you could idealize certain aspects of the war because you couldn't see them. Or maybe it was because it was might have been the last war we should have ever been in. I don't know. Um, but at any rate, whatever it is, I just think World War II still holds such a, a power over America in so many ways. That time, that period of history, I don't think there's ever been more movies about a period of history than World War II. And it fits in well with the timing of the, you know, um, the rise of Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I sort of like it. I sort of find it comforting too, by the way. I don't know why. What happened to my kiss? Marion Cotillard, who won the Oscar for playing Edith Piaf, that was the first time a French actress ever won the Oscar for Best Actress Mm. in a leading role. Did you notice Stephen Knight, who wrote the script, he also wrote a movie that you wrote up, Burnt. Which I, you know I loved, yeah. And I was probably Mm -hmm. the only one in America that did. (laughs) But he also wrote the scripts to Eastern Promises and also The Hundred Foot Journey. Which we both loved. Oh, loved it. Yeah. I bet he knows how to eat, (laughs) that guy. (laughs) Did you notice my guy Matthew Good, Finn from The Good Wife? No, I did not. No. But I might not have noticed that, O'Toole, because I didn't pay attention to The Good Wife the way you did. Well, he was in your The Imitation Game. Okay. He played the guy with no eyes. Huh. Yeah. There, there, there's some great people in it, and the the casting was only surpassed by whoever chose those locations. They were unbelievably brilliant. said you were beautiful. Good. Being good at this kind of work is not very beautiful. I have friends who are a married couple, and they went, and guess what they thought was the most depressing line in the movie? Huh, the most depressing line of the movie. After you make love, you go upstairs and leave the person? That one? I'll take the couch. You'll sleep on the roof. In Casablanca, that's where husbands go. <laughs> well, it did happen when they were on that rooftop in Casablanca. Okay, and she says, look, we've got to pretend like we're married because there's Nazis in these windows who are spying on us. So she goes, okay, so say something and then laugh. And he looks at me and goes, if we're married, why would we laugh? <laughs> My friends who are married to each other, they thought that was so depressing. 
You know? It's depressing. Yeah, the, well, the whole thing was depressing in so many ways. Okay, so now we have to move on to television. Yay, golden age of television. Okay. And but since I, we're I moving to one, television. I have one, I have one last okay. question on Allied. Why were the above-the-line credits at the very end in such a large print font? Okay, you're asking me that because you are trying to catch me on the fact that I didn't stay, right? Well, even if you were <laughs> bolting out of the cinema, they could have hit you in the no, head. No, I bolted out. I did not see the, the closing But cre- then you got to the below-the-line credits, and they were normal size. Well, you know what? I just wonder how many people who saw the movie noticed that. But you know what? Who would be the better spy? I'm just oh, saying. Oh, for sure I would be. Because I can I can lie and you can't. So no offense. Yes, there, I, you know, there's no I way. Would, I would nail the details. Yeah, but no matter how many details you know, if you can't lie about them, you can't be a spy. That's the end of that story. Um, I'm going to stick a coded message Actually, in this could be a great screenplay. Okay, so it's season 14 of Top Chef started this last week. And I know there's Season somebody out there. 14. I know, but wow. I love Top Chef, and I couldn't wait to watch it. And the opening one was amazingly good. It's in Charleston. Can you imagine? Yes, I can. Yeah. They have some fantastic I know, restaurants. right? So Top Chef, it's up. It's up. It's open. It's fabulous. Don't forget. Okay, and now we're going to talk about what is probably being touted. I think, I think a lot of people are saying that one of the best series to uh, premiere this season is This Is Us. I found them. My father. He is looking good. You hear that, baby? We got a boy. He's not right. Some oxygen for her, please. So what's happening? Your wife is in distress, Jack. Going back to our list of six with the surprises, this show was a surprise to me. I had heard that it all centered around various characters who shared the same birthday, but I didn't realize it was a father and his three children. I thought they were completely random people who weren't so interconnected. And also, I thought from the article that I read before it launched that Mandy Moore died in the pilot giving birth. And so the whole pilot, I just kept thinking, don't get too attached. Don't get too attached. No, they got that confused with Grey's Anatomy where she dies. She was a patient who died of a colonoscopy removal. Oh. Yeah. Don't you remember that? Yeah. Miranda, poor thing. Miranda never got over it. The last thing I saw Mandy Moore in was Because I Said So. (laughs) Okay, Where I bought that played, film, and I don't want you to say anything mean about you it. Really? Did you? Really? Yeah. I thought you were like on a Diane Keaton more. No, I, I think Diane Keaton is terrible in the movie, but I love everybody else. And guess who played her sister? One of her sisters. Well, we know that it's Lorelai Gilmore. That's right. And who plays her husband in This Is Us? In This Is Us, somebody from the Gilmore Girls. Jess. You see? It's a Gilmore Girls Wait, that's Jess? That oh, is just my as God, me to feel you. Do you know what? I didn't even yeah. know that. I can't believe I didn't know that, but I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Shoot me yep. now. Huh. He plays Jack. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Before we even get into the characters, it's interesting because the format of this, is it the... F- we are such an ADD society that now we have these hour shows where really it's four shows in one hour, so it's 15 minutes per par- <laughs> portion of the show. And it's one of the reasons it's hugely successful because like Love Actually, which is five different stories in a, an hour and a half, are we just not able to have an attention span that can follow one set of characters through a whole thing? Tell me what this is. I would go the other way. I'd like to think it's because we're so capable of complex narrative that we love seeing oh, the generations being so, sliced back and you forth. You are such a better person than me. <laughs> Although I have to confess right up front, it wasn't until the very end of the pilot that I realized that Jess, playing Jack here, that he was in the 70s. 
I didn't get that till the very end. I was like, did that fireman just light up in a hospital? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I thought he was just a little rough around the edges. I didn't get that with 70s fashion. Since you know, I have a mental block when it comes to okay, the so 70s. Okay, so guess which, um, which storyline is my favorite. Um, is it Kate? It is. And they don't, it, what's interesting is she gets the least amount, that, that storyline gets the least amount of time out of all of them. Is that true? Uh-huh. I, I timed it in the first two. Does she get more? Uh, I don't know. I'm not too far along. I feel kind of like their parenting style, that they're all treated pretty equally. No. Hi. You want to be fat friends? I can't fall for a fat person right now. I guess I'll lose the weight then. And also, were you surprised that Mary Moore, Mandy Moore did this? Because it's a great role. Well, she j- it is a great role for her, but she just doesn't do much. And this is, a, you know, it's also pretty grueling and it's pretty time consuming to do a series. I just was surprised. Well, and she gets to sing. I mean, it's a great role for her. And I thought even since she's one of the few characters who has to play an older version of herself where they don't swap out the actor, I thought she actually pulled that off playing mm. a much older version of herself. I think she's really good in the role. The issues in each of these people's lives mm-hmm. are so real for today. They really are. They're so real. 36 years ago, you left me at the front door of a fire station. Tell me to wake the hell up. Tell me to lose the damn weight. We lost the third baby, but you have two healthy children, Jack. And they touch on them with a little bit of humor, gentle amount of humor, um, much seriousness. I mean, some of some of the storylines, like the father who was a terrible father who comes. I mean, there's some pretty heavy stuff there for, you know, for a middle of the week series TV, don't you think? Well, you know what I really love about this series? And I have to hand it to Dan Fogelman, who created it, because he brought us... By the way, who expected him to create this, right? Well, you know, when you look at his body of work, he went from animated movies like Cars and Bolt and Tangled to Crazy Stupid Love, which I really enjoyed, and Danny Collins. What I really, really like about it is each of the kids has a challenge, as do we all. So if it's race or weight or insecurity about one's intelligence or whatever it is, there's all this built-in conflict But it's not conflict based on people just being cruel. I think at heart, they're all very good people dealing with a lot of issues, which I find just a very enjoyable watch. You know what? Maybe that's why they're so that maybe that's why they can take such heavy content. There's no villain here. No. And yet it's very gripping and you see it from everyone's point of view and you see it as it goes through time. You know, does time heal all wounds? It's these trigger points in the present that just naturally bring them back to a flashback yeah. in the past. Very, very does well done. Does conflict without a villain have staying power? For me, it does in this series. I think because... Well, what movie beca- have we ever seen where a conflict has no villain? Well, I would say this is very similar to a recent one. We saw John Krasinski's film, The Hollers. I thought that was a family with a lot of dysfunction, but I thought they yeah, were all good no people. Villain. You're right, you're right, you're right. And yeah. I love that tone where... Um, you're rooting for them all and you're rooting for them as a family and you can see how they all have struggles and they all just when you think one of them's about to massively disappoint you they turn around and do something that's actually very touching you know you know it's funny it got a lot of user reviews on imdb they you know a lot of people wrote about it and everybody seemed to say the same thing i love this show because it's so real okay 
now, like you take Modern Family, that's not there's it's not really real. You know what I mean? Like you, uh-huh. nobody knows a family that's quite like that family. Uh, entertaining, funny, all of those things, but not necessarily really real. But everybody seemed to write that the reason they liked it is that it was really real. And but I think that it's not all good. But you're right. There's no villain, so it's not it's not damaging to watch it. You know. Not at all. For example, that scene where Justin Hartley, who played Mamie Gummer's crush on Emily Owens, MD, mm-hmm. he plays, you know, the actor brother in this. And when he shows his nieces that painting he did to convey how he felt about the play he's acting in, just when you think this guy's got to be Mr. Surface, and he pulls out this piece of art and he starts talking about the infinite quality of families. And those who came before and those who were going to follow with this little spin art design. And he says, you know, so I was trying to draw that there's no me, there's no them, it's all us. Which, of course, you know, is referring to the name of the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was touching and it was deep and it was profound. And, you know, it, it showed a deeper level to his character. I just love unpeeling all these layers of the mystery of how these people came to be the people they are now. Okay, Anne, will this still be going on in seven years? Is this a Grays? I don't think so. I would. I don't see any Grays. I don't see any, you know, Sorkin's West Wing. I, I just don't see this stuff. And those are different kinds of shows, because here you're thinking, could you convey this level of exploring these characters exactly. for I seven years? I don't think you can. You know, which is funny because, you know, I think some of these stars shine very brightly, but I don't know that they can sit up in the sky forever, you know, whereas some, you know, the stuff, some of the stuff that was created, you know, the end of the 90s and early part of 2000s, you know, they do, I, you know, Gilmore Girls, uh, The West Wing, Grey's Anatomy, um, The Good Wife, you know, I just, these, it's almost like it's just chocked too, just chucked too full. Like there's just too much happening that you just it just can't last forever, you know. Unless they bring um, in the even, next generation even, and have the two well, nieces. Well, it's funny because even catastrophe, amazing first season. I don't. I'm not feeling it in the next season, you know. I won't give up on us. Milo Ventimiglia said he loved that metaphor in one of the episodes in season one about the washer. <laughs> because mm-hmm. he said it's like the different cycles of life where yeah. they sometimes spin out of control and sometimes you feel like you have a new lease on life. And it was funny watching the round table with the actors because you realize that Jess, you know, and Mandy Moore, who play the parents, they look like the younger, smaller people in the room. Mm-hmm. When you see their adult children, th- those actors all seem taller and older, you know, yeah. which just goes to yeah. show the, the brilliant editing. Think it's, it really is. It's, it's a really, really, well really wonderful show. And it even is. when you cut between the two brothers played by the teenage actors, you know, trying to negotiate a living arrangement when they had to share a room, and then you cut to their modern-day career trajectories, and you think that makes total sense that these two guys ended up where they ended up. I'm sorry, guys. I need to cut. Kevin, I know you care about the character. I do care about so the character. Say the line or find another job. I loved this theme of the two parents wanting to treat all their kids equally, but realizing that each kid has completely different needs. You know, what do you do as a parent so it doesn't look like you're playing favorites? Well, you know, I have only, I have one child. And um, so I'm, I'm always saying to my friends who have more than one, oh, come on, I know you have a favorite and I can tell you who it is, you know? <laughs> um, and you I can instigator. do that because I only have one child. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, you know, unless you have more than one child, I guess you can't really speak to that. But, but I do think it's, d- there's a difference between loving somebody and time spent with somebody or amount of time you spend 
you know, focusing on one child or another. I'm a middle child, and you are too, right? Yes, so that's why we're so well I mean, adjusted. We, we didn't need any time. We just took care of things ourselves. <laughs> we could amuse ourselves alone yeah, in a corner. Exactly. And one of the things I love about this is the twist of which you gave away, which so there is a plot spoiler, which it's too late for me to even warn you of that, but. <laughs> Um, the fact that it is the kids grown up and you don't even realize that for a while, I think it's pretty cool. Very great well done. Twist. And the younger versions do great jobs, those younger yep. actors. You know a character yep. I love? They, they all do a great job, but William, who they call Shakespeare or the wise uh-huh. owl, uh-huh. when he said he watched the show, The Manny, I just burst out laughing going, they just, they inject humor right where yep. I don't even see it coming. Yep. But he played Romero on your show, Mr. Robot. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, my, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown, who plays Randall, he mm-hmm. just won an Emmy for playing Christopher Darden in The People vs. O.J. Simpson. And a fine job he did, I might add. Absolutely. If you have time for a network show, this is it. It's definitely a feel-good series that touches on mm-hmm. a lot of deep themes. When they go for Thanksgiving... And Kevin is there when he whips out that piece of pie and says, no matter what happens tonight, I just want to make sure you get your pie. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, was no. very endearing, you know. Very well written with, you know, compelling and poignant and kindly, thoughtful, you know, conflict, which is bearable, you know. Mm-hmm. Bearable conflict is a really big plus this year. And yet one of the most heartbreaking scenes was when you see Randall's biological parents, how they meet and fall in love on the bus. Yeah. And then that quick medley of scenes where you realize they've just spiraled down into drug addiction. Yeah. So well done, but oh. And so true for so many, you know. Do you know who executive produces the show? Who? Ken Olin from 30-something and Brothers and Sisters. Well, we know. I loved Brothers and Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> did you know Brad Pitt was on an episode of 30-something? I did. He infiltrated you know, he, but he, you know, he was on an episode of Friends. I mean, you know, he mm-hmm. shows up. You yes, know, he You does. just have to ask him. I kind of like him in everything. <laughs> you just have to ask him. I kind of like him in everything. Maybe not meet Joe Black, but I, I think don't, you know, else. You know, I'm not a huge Pitt fan, which is why I loved Allied, and I loved seeing him in, in a position that I thought he just did so well in. I really did. I loved... I loved his sensitivity in Allied. So, um, so Brad, you can call me now that you're single again. You can give me a buzz. <laughs> Ring, ring. Hello? Oh, Brad, hi. You know, can I call you back? I'm sort of busy. Hi. <laughs>